Hey everybody and welcome to the L10 Session Podcast. Uh, this is my first session with someone else. I called up my really good friend Keith Webb and we had a really good conversation about Jesus, about the Great Commission, the Good Samaritan, compassion, a bunch of really awesome things. So I hope this encourages you and challenges you. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, everybody. So today I have my friend Keith Webb with me, and we're going to talk a little bit. And we're actually doing my first session. I did an episode last week kind of explaining what this podcast was going to be about. And I felt like Keith would be the perfect person to talk to first. So Keith, tell everybody hi and uh, who you are, what you do, etc. Sure. You bet. Well, it's an honor, and I appreciate you thinking of us and me uh, to do this. It's uh, a true pleasure to get to engage in fun conversations, particularly about spiritual matters, and and really during the present times we find ourselves in. So I was thrilled to be invited and excited to be doing this, so thank you. Um, so you want me to tell people about myself? Mm-hmm. Okay, well... It's pretty simple. Uh, I'm just a lovable redneck. Um, I'm an ecologist. I'm married well, and she takes care of me, as you identified on uh, on Facebook. Thank you. Uh, she is my better half, and so I've been married to Andrea for 18 years. Uh, so I'm a, a husband. I'm a dad. I got three kiddos, uh, a two 11-year-olds and a 14-year-old, and I'm a, an ecologist which means I'm essentially a scientist and I manage a natural resource consulting firm. And I guess a couple of interesting facts that few people probably know are one, I was, uh, I, I fell in love with rivers uh, when I was, when I was young and I had some really good experiences uh, uh, escaping from the world as it were on the banks of the red river. So the river meant a lot to me and uh, it was important enough that I invited Andrea to meet me there one summer evening and uh, proposed to her on Addington Bend of the Red River. So that's where I asked her to be my, my wife. And uh, that kind of set in motion the, the, the last of the 18 years that we've had together. And then another thing is before I became a professional consultant, I was an alligator wrestler and spent some summers down at uh, B.A. Steinhagen Reservoir capturing alligators for scientific research purposes and so that might be uh uh that was hold on i had no idea about that like <laughs> like you're talking like steve Irwin, like jump on their back wrestle them down wrestling well like, you know, hey leave it up to your imagination i'd hate to i'd hate to spoil the the way you see me now <laughs> by saying maybe it wasn't quite so risky but you know yeah sure <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep that in my head because that is a that is an interesting thought. That is awesome, and I can't believe I didn't know that. I don't know how long I've known y'all. Yeah, tell everybody when y'all started coming to our church. Yeah, so I don't we, remember. It, you know, I mean, you were you were little. I mean, that was like seven years ago. So yeah, I was young. Um, yeah, it was around 2012. I want to say it was either winter of 2011 or early 2012. And, and that's actually a really good story in its own, right? I don't know if we want to take up a bunch of time with that, but you know, we were, uh, we were without a, a 
a church home for the most part. We had a small church that we went to that, um, and they were good people. They loved us and they loved our kids. You know, the twins were really young at that point. Um, and they were, whenever we took them into public, it was absolute chaos. And so like when we were at church, this little Methodist church, the kids would get out and go climbing all over everyone. They would run all over the church and Andrew and I, I can imagine. Always, Oh my gosh. And so Jesse, we were so embarrassed. Jesse did falter our, our ceiling at one point here at the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she has a way of making grand entrances. There's no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, so we know they used to climb all over everyone, and the, the parishioners were so kind and they allowed it and they actually promoted it because they loved having the kids all over them and all over the church. And Andrew and I never did get much out of the, of the service, and it was just really embarrassing for us. But anyway. <laughs> We needed a place that we needed to find a place that we could get fed and not just, uh, you know, have a, a, you know, an entire church babysitting our kids during service. So we started looking for that reason and heard about Word of Faith through a good friend of mine who was a local boy, grew up in center, but had moved to Colorado Springs and was dialed into a pretty robust spiritual community in that part of the world and had uh, always listens for like what's going on in like small town USA what what are churches doing who's who's alive who's not and he had told us about word of faith and Joaquin and we gave it a try and uh, the rest as they say is history so man that's that's quite a cool story too yeah, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm learning so much. I thought I knew so much, but I don't. Well, hey, can we just we <laughs> got started? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, just coming from me, the webs have been, and I refer to them as the webs because they come as a as a pack. I feel like it's like a just this web pack. And uh, the thing about them is is that it's something you may not really realize is how. Uh, much I honor and respect you and Andrea for, you know, the way you raise your kids. It's very similar to how my parents raised me and my sister. And I think that that's, that's why I, uh, I recognize it and respect it and honor it so much. It's because I, I see so much of my parents in you and Andrea. It's interesting how similar you guys are. And uh, so, you know, the, so, so, so everybody knows Keith and Andrea have really, I, I think it was about two months ago when I realized that they had been discipling me for the last like four years, I'd say. And I had no idea, like <laughs> too young to really realize what was going on, you know? And then one day I was like, you know what? I think that they've been discipling me. And, and so it was a, it was an interesting moment for me to really begin to understand what true discipleship was. And that is another conversation for another day, but um, but yeah, I, I honor and respect you guys so much, which is why I asked you to come on first. And like I said, I do want to get Andrea on, but I want to, I want to space you guys out a little bit because I, I think that y'all have interesting, interestingly enough, as, uh, similar as you guys are, y'all have different, different ways you look at things and, and it's super interesting, um, to me. So I want to get her views too, but let's go ahead and get started. Yep. Um, so the idea behind this podcast is that we take um, the story of the Good Samaritan. And and I use that story because, you know, as well as I do, that dad, uh, our pastor, he really believes in the Good Samaritan and the church being being not something that just not just a group that affects each other, but a group that affects other people. It goes out in the world and 
Um, so the idea is that we take the story and dive into how people, you know, in the real world, in their real jobs, how they, you know, how they do that. Mm-hmm. So first I'm going to ask you um, a question. Um, in the story, we know that two guys walk past him, right? Mm-hmm. They see him and they move on. Well, the Samaritan, it says in the in both King James and New Living Translation that when he passed, when the Samaritan passed, he felt compassion. And, the, and, and the, they use the word compassion. So I want to talk about that word for a minute and uh kind of see your kind of see what your thought thoughts are on why the other two didn't feel you know mm-hmm. a priest and a, a mini a, a church worker two church workers walk past him mm-hmm. and and really talk about that word compassion and and why the difference between you know those two guys versus the Samaritan yep yep yeah, so you know that's that's that is a powerful component of that story, and I love that story for lots of different reasons. There's you can dig into that and and talk about various aspects, you know, for for years. And I think the the part about compassion resonates with me a lot because if if you're preoccupied with your life and if you're not looking outside of your own little sphere whatever that is, business, work, life, play, whatever that is, and you don't see others, then you walk, you tend to walk past them. Sometimes that's simply because you're distracted. Sometimes it's because what you see when you look at someone else is ugly and dirty and messy and you choose to avoid it. And those responses, either through distraction or avoidance, have nothing to do with compassion. Those are, in fact, compassion takes a back seat. At that moment, and sadly, the believer is called, and instantly, when, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, you begin to see the world through the eyes of the Father, and you begin to see the world through the eyes of compassion, and that's really important—the eyes of love. When you see others who are struggling, you don't see the mess they're in, and then want to be away from them. You see that they have struggles that are deeper rooted issues that they just need to be loved, need to be brought forward to, into the arms of the Father. And find out who, um, who, and what he is, so that they can be restored. And that there's an aching in our hearts that when we see others that are struggling, that we ha- we want to go help them, and we want to uh, bring them up out of the ditch or out of this tough spot they're in. And that becomes our motive at that point. You know, that's the Father working through us towards another person who is in need, and it works on compassion. And you know, the person in the ditch that could be anybody at any point in time in their life. Every one of us have been the person in the ditch, made bad decisions and have done something that was unrighteous or unholy or sinful. And were just really in a tough spot and needed someone to not see us through the judgmental eye of religion and avoid us, yeah. but to see us as a son of, of the father or a daughter of the father. And knowing that underneath the rubble, there is this thing, this, this heart, this soul of a human that's worthy of redemption, worthy of rescue. It's worth getting dirty to go dig that out. And oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think compassion's key. It, it's, it's everything. I mean, because you look at that story and you have those other two guys who continue to walk on past. And I like what you said. We, we kind of ignore. We try to. We look at something and it looks very dirty and we, we want to avoid that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know. 
I think, I think you just, and this is just my opinion. I think people, people get distracted and, and they get busy and they're doing their own, own, their own thing, you know, and it's really not, you don't intend to, um, move away from compassion. I don't, I don't think there are very many people in the world who, who just don't want to be compassionate towards people just for the spite's sake. You know, I think it's busyness and, and, and things that really pride there's, there's a lot of pride involved in that. Mm -hmm. And, and just thinking what, you know, what I'm doing is more important than the people around me. But at the end of the day, you know, we're here to be the Samaritan. You know, yeah. that's why we're here. There is no other reason. You know, we, we want people to meet Jesus. So uh, another another thought I had, um, I thought you could speak to was a lot of times the people that we come in contact with, mm-hmm. uh, they're they're dealing with more internal or private pain yep. than they are physical outward yep. pain. And so I want you to speak to like, how do you use discernment in your walk with God and your walk with Jesus? Um how do you use discernment in dealing with people like that? People that, you know, the spirit of God may speak to you and say, Hey, you know, you know, this per- like point a person out to you, but how do you use discernment and how do you do that? Because most people aren't laying, literally laying in a ditch right. that need oil and wine yep. and, and right. you know, right. Right. no, that's really good. And that's, those are deep waters too. Uh, there's two things I, I thought, and I'm going to, we can kind of dig into that. The first thought I had was about the lack of intentionality and in people being um, either being compassionate or not. And I think about the the part of the story that says, you know, who is my neighbor? Um, you know, whether, you know, there's a young ruler that's trying to figure out what he needs to do to inherit the kingdom. And, and Jesus says, you know, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, well, who are, who is my neighbor? That question is really important when we start thinking about, okay, when we start searching our own lives, who am I able to exhibit compassion towards naturally? And then who is it that I'm not willing to be compassionate towards for whatever reason? And so that question, when you start to ask yourself, and every believer can do this, is ask himself, who is actually my neighbor? Who do I treat like a neighbor versus who, who seems dirty to me? Who, do I, who am I unwilling to love or be compassionate towards? And that will open your eyes a lot to the, to the, the parts of your heart that are closed off towards others for some reason or another. And we know Jesus is not closed off to anyone. He is the open book. He wants anyone and everyone to come receive the healing and restoration uh, that is made available to them. But yet people are choosy about who they're willing to go sit down with and have a conversation with. Step one in being a good, compassionate believer is one recognizing your heart that there are people that you simply don't want to go talk to or be compassionate towards. And they have different labels. You can think of a handful of them. We could dig into that a little bit. Uh, I can name some. Maybe it's a little controversial. Maybe it's not. But people are awfully hard on people struggling with their sexual identity. And there's a lot of people that wouldn't dare sit down at a table with someone who struggles with their sexual identity and have a conversation that's built around compassion as opposed to it's built around judgment or wrongdoing or behavior. We can also say that, look, I, I can be honest right now and say I have been uncompassionate towards a certain group of people. And it tends to be people that are religious and that don't take these matters that you and I are discussing seriously. In my own mind, I've judged them sometimes as being inferior or being uh, shallow. 
And I've learned in my own heart, look, I'm being just as harsh and judgmental towards that group as they are towards these other groups that I have an easier time being compassionate towards. Yeah, that is that is so good. That is such a good point. Man, that's good. So uh, so then so back to the part about how do we exercise discretion and what does it mean to be um, able to be compassionate towards others? And, and that's, you know, we just we kind of ran through that. Turning the rocks over in your own heart, determining where where you are or are not compassionate. And, you know, look, the reality is God gives us all different skills and abilities. And there are some groups of people that I'm just going to be better at dealing with. And that doesn't mean that I have to ignore the rest, but it means that if I have a better a better skill set useful with certain groups, then I'll use it there. And I don't, you know, yeah. I, I promote others who have the gift of dealing with the other groups that I can't seem to identify with or, or communicate with. Yeah, stay in your own lane that's kind right. of thing. You know, God gives you gifts. and that's But that's why we have coaches and we have uh, biologists and we have nurses and we have pastors and we have different – you have different yeah. people. And who have different giftings. That's the whole, that's the whole point. So, you know, yeah, you're not going to be able to, to impact everybody. And I think that that's one thing that people can get a little bit discouraged, you know, from a very, like, look at this, at this from a very simple point, uh, you know, way, yeah. you know, people just, they get, I guess they get down and they, they feel like they may not be good at, um, you know, reaching people and, and discipling people. But at the end of the day, God just wants to use the gifts that he's given yep. you. And a lot of times, you know, for example, in my own life, you know, I've, I've coached your kids. I, I love to coach little league sports. Like I love to do that. It's something I do. I don't get paid for it. I mm -hmm. love it. I love to use that time, not just to impact or hang out with the kids and, but also like with parents, you know, I've met parents um, through me doing that. I've met people that I would have never talked to, yeah. you know, I would have never spoken to maybe, you know, living in a small town, you know how yeah. this is. Maybe some of our listeners don't, but we have uh, these different little groups and kind of, it's really kind of a segregated type yeah. thing. And I don't know that a lot of the people that I have a relationship with now that I would have, if it wouldn't have been for me just going and doing something I'm, I'm good at. God gave me a gift. Is it super spiritual? No. But I just use that gift and of and the knowledge I have and love of yeah. sports to to go and impact people. And I, it's that. Yeah, simple. that's beautiful. That's the you key know? that opens the door. And that's, you know, the key looks different for every door. Right. Every house has a different key. Right. And God gave you the key to open certain hearts. And, and you do a wonderful job with our kids. And they they love uh, Coach Jay. So, I mean, that and that is a I think you've knocked on the uh, the the thing here is that we've got keys and what you have to do in order to, to really be a, be present and be a minister. Each one of us has that calling is to be a minister to others around us is to use the key. You know, if you've got a key, you got to, you got to put it in the door and you got to turn it. It requires an action on your part. And apart from that, it's just what you've got in you. The Holy spirit does so much of the work for us. When you have compassionate towards somebody and you genuinely care about their well being and how they're doing, that's what really attracts the heart of people to Christ because that's what they, that's what he yeah. did. He, he didn't see the mess. He saw past all that. And so that's what we do in our work life or our, our, our normal everyday life. If you, you get the opportunity all the time to interact with people that you normally may not. Some of us choose to ignore those opportunities and stay with the comfortable people or the comfortable crowd 
but some of us are forced in a way or helped uh, in, in connecting with those we normally wouldn't through, through our jobs in particular. I mean, you, you don't choose your coworkers unless you own your own business. And, yeah. and, and if your job takes you and tr- carries you around the world or carries you outside of your small community, then there's all these opportunities to learn about the bigger picture at work in the world. And in my world, it's that way. I don't, I live in Paxton community uh, in East Texas. Nobody that I work with knows where that is. Um, but I work with people from all over the United States of America. They, they live in DC, they live in Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Colorado. I mean, there's people's in all these different places that I interact with. And because that I interact with so many different types of people, the kind of people that we come into contact with would, uh, would, would really challenge a lot of, um, a lot of folks who haven't really experienced the world, I would almost liken it to, you know, the big city is filled with all kinds of beliefs. There's people of every yeah. walk, every, de- every denomination, every religion, every, every belief. You get any kind of religion you can imagine, it's out there. And those are the people we, we interact with. The funny thing is, is that they are so receptive to conversations, particularly those that are not geared towards judgment or behavior modification for them, you know. Yeah, because behavior modification is uh-huh. impossible. Yeah. It's impossible to do. You know, you can't, that's what's so, that's what sets, uh, really sets Christianity apart from all of the others, Jesus, and, and the fact that, you know, it's interesting to me, kind of going off of what you were just saying, how our basic fundamental belief is Jesus came to die for our sins, but most Christians don't act that act like that that's mm-hmm. possible yeah. does that yeah. make sense you know they they say oh yeah jesus died for our sins but they're they want they won't like look at someone and really give them the same grace oh, that yeah. we know that that we want hey, people, jesus. yeah people are still trapped in the old testament they still believe that they need to be punished in order to receive god's grace and and so yeah i think what we have is a whole a whole lot of people that are still working through the early stages of self-forgiveness. Cause you can't, you honestly, and this is why I think the word structured the way it is. And why Jesus put, put things in these, why you got to work out your own, your, your, your faith with fear and trembling and why forgiveness is so important because if, and in love, in love, if you can't love God, then you don't know that you've received that kind of a love. And if you don't really understand that you've been loved in spite of your behaviors and you can't really go out and love others the way that he loves them and the way that you should. So there, there's a there's a right. there's a part of that cycle that gets broken where people are still punishing themselves because they don't feel adequate and they don't feel good enough and they don't feel like they've attained any kind of righteousness that would be worthy of relationship with him, which is the trap. You know, that's the hamster wheel people get caught in. That's the religious that's religion. And the reality is it's not about, you know, we, we both know it's not about of course you're unrighteous. Of course you are unworthy on your own efforts. It's not about that. You got to forgive yourself, learn to love yourself the way that God loves you and sees you. And then you can carry that into the world because you're no longer preoccupied with trying to attain right standing. Suddenly you can see others. You know, I think the priest and the Levite in the story were, were focused on going and doing their duty because that's who they were. And yep. they felt like, I, if I do this, that's who I am. That proves to me I've done something worthy of my time and worthy of the calling that I'm called towards. And that preoccupation yeah. was enough to distract him from the real calling right before him. That, yeah, that is, 
that's perfectly said because I think that I think that we have a modern day version of that now. Yeah. It just looks that's different. A, oh yeah. You know, absolutely. There's there's totally mo- that we still see that every day, you know. And I, I that's why I wanted to do this podcast. And I'm gonna ask you one more question and we're gonna kind of wrap it up. But um, you know, that's why I started this. I think that it's important that people are able to have things to listen to that aren't church culture. And I don't mean this negatively. I believe in the church. I mean, obviously I I work at one. My dad's a pastor of one. I'm a believer of the local church and the body and us, you know, together us impacting Mm -hmm. things and, and us, you know, really being, cause I, I view Sunday, I view things like this, you know, when we come in on a Sunday morning, you play guitar with us and we get up there on the stage and, you know, that morning and we run through our songs and we do sound check and stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking about I'll, whenever I pray in the back room, I, I say something along the lines. I pray that every person that's going to walk in this room, that their hearts are open to receive you and that they have an encounter with you. And I believe that on Sundays, you know, and, and, and at church, that we have an awesome opportunity. The local church has an awesome opportunity mm-hmm. to reach people. But I think we're so much we, we will be, we we will be so much more powerful when people begin to understand that and they begin to tap into their calling that may not be directly connected yeah. to the church. And once you do that, you what you realize is is that you're able to reach so many more people when you stop thinking just through mm-hmm. church culture and start thinking through the word. I mean the Bible, what does the Bible say? Because you can look at this story and go, the priest and the Levite were doing something right. They were, they were people who were quote unquote religious and who were going to do their religious duty. But how, I mean, it's right yeah. here in the word. He doesn't want us just to go and do our religious duty. He wants us to, to pay attention to the people that are around us. And so I think this podcast is going to be a good tool for people to tap yeah. into that. So I want you to, as we kind of wrap it up, Take the next few minutes and kind of talk to the person that's listening to this that may say, I don't even really know where to start. And, you know, it doesn't matter what their job is. It doesn't matter. They could be in high school. You know, they could be in school. It doesn't matter. But just kind of talk to that person and and give them a little bit of of encouragement and wisdom as far as, um, you know, that they can do it. And maybe a few things that you would suggest. Hey, you know, so. The beginning of desire, the birthplace of desire, it, that question to ask is, how would I get started, represents uh, a recognition that there is that desire that's growing in somebody. So anyone that's listening that feels inside of them this desire to, I want to share the goodness that I, that I have been exposed to, and I want to be a, a, a vehicle for, for helping other people know uh, about God's goodness and His grace and how good He is and how much life there is then, you know, it really starts one, just you hone in, you hone in on that desire. You talk to the father, you pray about it. You ask for opportunities. And two, you become aware of opportunities. You look at the people around you. God puts people in your life for a reason. You may not know it yet. Jay, you, you identified that earlier on in our call. Sometimes it takes time for you to realize why people are put in your life, but those people are in your circle for a reason. And sometimes the time, uh, the opportunity is more with some than with others. Some people you'll, you'll spend a long time with and you can have conversations over, over years and that pr- produces fruit in each of your lives. Sometimes it's just being willing to see somebody new 
and go up to them and introduce yourself, give them a handshake or a hug, although maybe that's a bad idea right now, but, (laughs) but, you know, see that, see that person, you know, it's about seeing somebody and recognize that they're a fellow laborer on this planet. They may not be a believer yet, but you know what they are, they will be one day, you know, God said every knee will, will uh, bow, every tongue will confess. And so he's ever patient to let, even the simplest of actions bring others closer to him. And maybe you're not the one that brings them to the Lord. Maybe you just help bring them down the path a mile or two. And then someone else picks up where you let off. And that's okay too. Uh, to me that the number one important thing is just know your heart. Don't do it because you're trying to get somebody to show up at church and you're going to add numbers to the pews and you just want to yep. feel good about yourself because that's religion. If you're doing it to better, make yourself feel better about who you are, then you're kind of missing the heart part. It's about, them and where they're going, not about you and where you're going. That, yeah, that's, I love that. I want to speak to that for just a second. Don't do things. uh, This is a, this is a trap that you can fall into. I've fallen into this trap as a quote unquote ministry person, you know, a pastor's daughter. And um, I fell into the trap of really doing a few, some of the things that I was doing was more directly at making the church look good rather than people mm-hmm. meeting Jesus. And you don't ever want to fall into that. You don't want to ever fall into that trap. And it is a trap. Um, and it's a very religious thought process. And you want to challenge yourself to stay away from that and really just look. And, and I'll tell you in my own life, after I've made some mistakes and I fail and, and I realized that, uh, you know, I wasn't perfect. Um, that's when I began to, to be able to do this in a, in a mm-hmm. healthier way, you know, and, and, and then I was able to see the truth of, about myself. And I think that that's one thing is don't let the fact that, uh, maybe you've done that. Maybe you're, maybe your yeah. intentions weren't right. You know, don't let that keep you from, from moving in the right direction when it comes to, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the great yeah. commission, you know spreading Jesus to the people around you. And and I would say this, ask yourself if this person never stepped foot in my church, if I knew that at at the end of this conversation, that they were never going to step foot at my, in my ministry, in my small group or in my church, would I, would I still do this? Would I still have this conversation with them? And if the answer to that is yes, then you're in the right place because man, he wants to impact people, but he needs you, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily yeah. the ministry. And I don't, I, and like I said, I'm a, I don't want any, any listeners to think that, uh, that I'm not a church. I'm not a believer in the, in the, in the church. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying or take it out of context. I'm only saying that we need to broaden our, uh, broaden ourselves up and, and not be intimidated and, and not really fall and, and push everything onto the church and, and give the pastor the responsibility that really we are biblically yeah. supposed yep. to carry. So, so, all right, that was fantastic. And I would like to ask you to come back on because I think we have more yeah, stuff that we could yeah, talk about. Yeah, you bet. And, you know, so, hey, you're you're doing your part right now by doing this, this podcast. You've heard, you know, a, a calling to reach out to folks. And I think that is extremely important. During this time, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, we're watching the institutions around us uh, collapse in a way. Um, and by that, I mean our 
our reliance mm-hmm. on being somewhere at a certain time, a certain day of the week. And that, that pushes us all out of our comfort zones. And that's a beautiful place to be. Jesus loves to disrupt our happy, secure lives. And so uh, providing his words to the populace while uh, there is this grand disruption that's going on is, is a really beautiful thing, really important. So I really admire you for that. And, and I'm glad you're doing this and would love to be back. So, Well, I'm, I'm excited and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get you back soon. And I'm also, I'm, I may try to get you and Andrea on at the same time. I think you know, that'd be cool. That's, what do you that's kind of like, uh, you never know what you're going to get out of something like that. It could end up being wonderful or it could be almost like a atomic cloud goes off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> too, too many, too many brains going right. at the same time. Right. Yeah, I guess. Right. Too many. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, we'll, cool. we'll figure something out, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm going to pray and then, and then we're going to awesome. end it. All right. Father God, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us and, and that his blood washed away every sin that we would we would commit. Father, I thank you that we are able to not only gain access to salvation, but we have the ability to gain access to a relationship with you, that we can walk with you and we can talk with you, that we can walk in your mercy and we can walk in your grace. I pray for every person who's listening to this. I pray that that on the inside of them, that there's a burning for more of you and more of your, your spirit, more of your presence, Father, more of your word. I pray that they have an increase in their desire for prayer in their life, Father. I pray that their eyes are open and their ears are open and that they see people through your eyes, not through their own. And I thank you for it. I pray that you give them a boldness on the inside of them through your spirit so that they can reach the people that you've called them to reach. And I thank you for it in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. All right, girl. Be good.